Welcome back to Conti Forum. Second intermission here in Chestnut Hill between Merrimack and Boston College. The score after two is Merrimack 1, Boston College 1. I'm Mike Macknick with John Leahy here on the Merrimack Sports Network. This second intermission is brought to you, as it always is, by Merrimack Grad School. Tonight's second intermission brought to you by Merrimack Graduate Studies at Merrimack. You can earn your master's degree in as little as one year. Choose from graduate programs in business, education, engineering, health sciences, criminology, and so much more. Visit merrimack.edu backslash graduate today. That's merrimack.edu backslash graduate for all the details. Well, joining us seems like it's been forever since we talked to you. Mike McMahon from the macreport.com uh, and uh, through two periods here uh, I realize uh, it, it, you know, first time in a long time Boston College hasn't been ranked in the polls 1-5-1 uh, and one, and off to a tough start, although they played the toughest schedule in the country uh, you know, we were just talking about it John and I were maybe not quite as skilled uh, as some of the other BC teams but certainly at least as hard working if not even more so uh, to be in this position for Merrimack uh, at the end of 40 minutes, 1-1 one, one on the road with a chance to get points on the road in a, in a building in which until last year they hadn't gotten uh, a win in 20 years not a bad position to be in here no, not at all. You know, and I do think they are less skilled, especially top end skill. You know, there's there's no Johnny Gaudreau in this team. There's no Colin White. You know, there's uh, and it and it shows they play the toughest toughest schedule in the country, but they've also get outscored by about two goals a game. So it, it sort of shows there, and I think you've seen that tonight because there there were some moments uh, in this game through two periods where you know a BC team of four or five years ago would come to the neutral zone with numbers like that, and it was a goal waiting to happen. And now tonight, you know, they're not, not as crisp with the puck. It, it looks like a new group. It looks like a new group. With Younger players, they have no seniors. I think they have just four juniors too that play. So uh, that, that they're a young team, and uh, they could be a team that's dangerous towards the end of the year. But even so, you know, I'm not sure that right now they've got that that elite level board. You look at the guys that were supposed to be on this team that either signed early or left. I, I mean, Jeremy Bracco and uh, Zach Sanford, I and mean, all these guys that are either in the NHL or, or close to it. Uh, they, I don't think they were prepared for this, just based upon the fact that they had so many guys that left early, probably earlier than even they expected. Yeah, as well as guys that uh, you know didn't get in. Uh, that was the case as well. Uh, was it the top recruit, I think, was was uh, another player from Finland. Had a lot of players from Finland lately, but uh, you know didn't get in as well. But uh, you know, So that, that, that certainly does hurt. Let's talk about uh, the flip side of things uh, for Merrimack. Now we've seen Craig Pantano for, if you go back to the, you know, the, the end of the UMass game, really for about uh, two consecutive games, 120 minutes or so, and uh, he's played pretty well. He has. You know, he's not afraid to make a save. Uh, he's not afraid to throw that blocker out yeah. there. He's been aggressive, which I think the fact that he's been so aggressive shows you that he's confident and he's not nervous. I mean, that's sort of the first thing you look for, especially for a guy who's a junior and hasn't played. You know, what are the nerves going to be like? But he hasn't showed any nerves at all. Uh, you know, he's been he's been out there from from the second he's been putting in that game at UMass, and even back to last year against UNH, putting in some pretty tough situations. And I thought calmed the team down, played well last week, uh, well enough to earn a start here tonight. And now here we are in a road game. I mean, they're less talented than they have been, BC, but you're still in a road game. At at BC, and he has you in position to take points going into the third period. Yeah, how much do you feel that Merrimack has uh, fed off of Pantano's confidence and energy? Yeah, they, they look like a different team from the second period on uh, against UMass last Friday. I don't think there's any question about that. So, you know, that being said, uh, so certainly, I, I, you know, we were talking about this as well. The the effort level has, has been very solid over the last couple of games or so. How much of that is due to the goaltender? The goaltending, the goaltending change. How much of that is due to the fact that, let's just be honest, the first 40 minutes or so at UMass were just horrid. 
Yeah, and I think part of it is confidence, too. I mean, it's pretty clear that Craig Pantano has some confidence in there, just the way he's played. Uh, you know, I don't think he's played scared. He's Like I said, he's whether it's throwing a blocker out there or being aggressive on a guy coming through the neutral or coming over the blue line in the two-on-one, he's been aggressive. He hasn't been falling back into his net. So I think when when your goalie plays with that type of confidence, it can reflect on, onto the team in front of him. And I think that's part of what we're seeing. You know, I, I keep looking for this line, and it seems like they're very close, that the uh, Sini Petty uh, Tavernier line. And, you know, if you took out the numbers, I think in that one game at Duluth when they, they scored the four power play goals, I think you took if you took those out, they've been pretty quiet much of the time early on here. It seems like, you know, they're on the verge of breaking out here, but, you know, that's a line that you need to get goals from. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I think, uh, you know, Sini has four points this year. Three of them came in that game. So uh, they, they need to get that line going a little bit. Uh, like you said, they're, those, especially Sini and Tavernier were two guys that you really look at at the beginning of the year and say, okay, uh, these are guys that are going to carry our offense. I think you've seen it from some other places. I know Jace Hendricks played really well, obviously. Uh, Tyler Irvine's played well. You've seen some flashes from Logan Coombs at times. Coombs seems like he's just a half a step from, from being a 20-point scorer. So I think it's encouraging, even though they only have the one win, with the exception of probably that UMass game last week on Friday, they've played pretty well. You know, they, they played well at Duluth. They played well against Colgate. Uh, it was a 40-second stretch that killed them against Wisconsin. But uh, you've you've been in almost every game you've played, really, with the exception of that UMass game. And Sini and Tavernia really haven't gotten going yet. So that that could be a good sign for when they finally do get going. If, if none of the other parts of their game drops off in the penalty kill, you can include that too. The penalty kill struggled at the same time. So if those comp- if those uh, components or parts of your team can can get to where you think they will be. The penalty kill's been good for years. Sini's uh, proven track record. Tavernier was so good at the, end, at the second half of last year. If those guys start to get going and those parts start to get going and everybody else stays pretty much where they are, I think you've got the makings of what could be a pretty good team. Talking with Mike McMahon from the MacReport.com, also the Eagle Tribune and College Hockey News. And uh, at blog.collegehockeynews.com, you had a real interesting uh, entry there. I think it was either last night or this morning, but talking about goaltending in Hockey East, that the average numbers, average save percentages, like 10 points lower than the rest of the country. And, you know, talking about some guys that uh, were expected to, to have very good years, including, uh, you know, Jake Ottinger, for example, including uh, uh, Tyler Wall up at Lowell, who seems to, you know, have maybe given way to uh, Hernberg there, um, as well as, you know, Joseph Wall here at BC, although I would say at least for Joseph Wall, he's played some pretty tough yeah. competition. But regardless, you know, you look at that and and the fact that, be, that you know, Hockey East has struggled in non-conference play. What I'm wondering is, uh, you know, if you were to adjust that, first of all, for strength of schedule, how much does that come into effect? Because it seems like the, t- the upper echelon NCHC teams have played a number of games against uh, Hockey East teams this year. Um, you know, but there's no question that in the end... It, it's going to hurt things one way or the other. But how much of it has to do with that is versus, you know, is it really a down year for hockey? I, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, BC, I think, has to do with strength of schedule. There's no doubt about that. They've played uh, Denver, St. Cloud. I mean, they've, they've played the best of the best so far. Uh, with, with some of those other teams, you know, with, with BU, BU's played a, a decently tough schedule, but I don't think any, necessarily any tougher than any NCHC or, or even Mar- a team like Merrimack. Probably the same goes for Lowell. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting because they don't have a lot of, like the Big Ten and the MCHC are dominating interconference games right now. Hockey East doesn't have a whole lot of games left against those those two conferences in particular. I think Ohio State at UConn next weekend is the only two Big Ten games left uh, for Hockey East. And, and I looked quickly, but I believe Merrimack versus Denver and CC are the only two NCHC games left. So uh, they don't have really an opportunity to make up ground on those two conferences that have almost a 700 win percentage. Now the thing that's going to be interesting... 
the, the winning percentage, which is sort of tied to the save percentage right now, is the lowest it's been in six years and since 2011. 2011 Hockey East only got three teams in the tournament. Merrimack was one of them, but they only had three teams in the tournament that year. Uh, that That's where this could come into play. This, these struggles non-conference can really come back to hurt the whole league uh, once we get to March and you, you're comparing teams in other conferences. That could be when you get a team on the bubble, but at large, I mean, it's, it's a math formula, so we'll see what, what ends up happening, but uh, you can look at the, the non-conference record right now and say, you know what, this, this could be a year where they only get three teams in, maybe four, but you know, the, the goal of getting five doesn't look like it's going to happen right now. All right, Mike, thanks. 1-1 one, one our score here. Uh, get your Foo Fighters tickets for Fenway next year? I did. I got Sunday tickets. I couldn't get Saturday tickets, but I got Sunday tickets. All right, same here. I guess I'll see you there then. Sounds good. Right, you were in about 50,000 other people. Exactly, yeah. All right, Mike, thanks for joining us. Uh, writing for the Tribune tonight as well? Yes. All right, EagleTribune.com, or you can pick up a copy of the Tribune up in the Valley, uh, themacreport.com as well, and College Hockey News. Uh, thanks as always, Mike. Talk to you again soon. Maybe even as soon as tomorrow. Sounds good. Thanks. All right, that's Mike McMahon has been our guest here. The score at the end of two it is Merrimack 1, BC 1. We'll be back with more right after this on the Merrimack Sports Network. This is Warrior Hockey.